You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Radio Show. It is great to have you here. This is your host, Matt Breckwald. And hey, happy new year to all of you. Uh, we hope you had a great Christmas, and we hope you have a great new year and 2019. And you know, thinking about New Year's, I was trying to figure out what to do for this show and it dawns on me the cabin fever so many of us can get in the winter and how can we get out into the great backcountry that we have available to us if we live out here in eastern Oregon and in Idaho. And one of those opportunities that I've known of is going up to a backcountry yurt out of Idaho City uh, here not too far from the Treasure Valley or the Magic Valley of Idaho and even eastern Oregon and getting up and staying in one of these wonderful places up in the mountains and especially if there's an inversion going on getting up above that inversion. So I decided to do an episode all about that because I know it's a New Year's tradition for so many people. So today I'm going to be interviewing Leo Hennessy, and he is the non-motorized trails coordinator for the Idaho Department of Parks and Recreation. And he's going to talk to us all about yurts. I love this interview and I'm inspired. I've got to get up to one of these and enjoy this. It sounds so great. So we're going to have that coming up for you here in just a moment. Leo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate the meeting with you, talking to you this morning. Hey, you bet. I am eager to find out all about yurts and about backcountry opportunities in the winter in Idaho, but I'd like to start off by just having you, if you would, just kind of introduce yourself to our audience, let us know who you are and what you do. Well, I work for the Idaho Department of Parks and Recreation. I'm the non-motorized trails coordinator, and I got involved in yurts about uh, maybe 20 years ago when I needed a funding source to help groom some trails, uh, winter trails up in the mountains. Very interesting. And as we're recording this, you are in your last week of employment with our state. Is that right? Yeah, I've been working for the state of Idaho for 30 years and working in parks and recreation and trails. And uh, I've just loved it. And I just love uh, providing these types of uh, facilities and unique experiences. And that's what that's what uh, I did it for. And I'm glad we have these kind of things available to the public in Idaho. Well, great. Well, congratulations on your upcoming retirement. Yeah, thank you. Do you have big plans? Do you have a, a second career or is it is it relax and, and recreation? What is it going to be? Well, it's uh, it's play hard, I guess. Now. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be uh, doing kind of what I do now, but I'll be in, uh, more leisurely on trails. I'm planning on traveling to Peru and some other areas. Uh, I like traveling internationally, backpacking, hiking, rafting, those types of things. So I'm going to be able to do more of that. That's great. Wonderful. All right. So the crux of this episode, I was trying to think of what we should do to, you know, for our New Year's episode for the DNB Supply Show. And I got to thinking about it. And I definitely, down in the valley every winter, and I think all throughout our listening audience everywhere in the West experiences this, when we get inversions and it gets really gray and we kind of get trapped down in this inversion, I tend to get a, a bit of cabin fever. But it's the middle of winter in Idaho or in eastern Oregon, so I'm always looking for a way to get out and kind of break that cabin fever. And it dawned on me that it is a very popular thing to do to uh, to rent a yurt and go up there for New Year's Eve, and I wanted to ask you all about that. So I guess to start off, am I right about that, that this is a popular New Year's activity? 
Yes, it's it's actually the most popular date to, that people want. And you're, it's exactly what you said. I mean, you'll be in dark gray skies down in the valleys here, and you go up in the mountains, and it's sunshiny and 30, 40 degrees. You're sitting out on the deck all day. You can take your, just sit in a T-shirt and uh, with a glass of wine on the deck and watch the, the beautiful uh, mountain scenes. Well, tell us what a yurt is. There's going to be some people out there listening who maybe have heard the term, but they don't know exactly what it is. Well, yeah, it's kind of a weird name. It sounds like a food, <laughs> but but basically it's a, it was inspired by a Mongolian structure. In Mongolia, they had these circular uh, structures that had a latticework wall with furs on it with a open top where you built a fire in it. Well, what we did is the Pacific Yurts out of Oregon has basically modernized the old Mongolian system and basically made it out of high-tech materials, plastics, and made it a beautiful structure and put a plastic dome on the top. So what you're going to see is all, all the yurts that the Idaho Department of Parks and Recreation are 20 foot, tw- have are 20-foot yurts that are insulated walls, have an opening dome on top, and have a fireplace inside keep you warm and uh, solar panels so that we can have electricity. So it's a it's a modern version but it's very beautiful and very comfortable. They sh- the yurts show their stuff when there's snow. 10 feet of snow on these things is no problem. It just slides right off the top. So people like to go out to these in the remote back country or some of I guess maybe not as remote as I'm saying, but into the back country of Idaho in the middle of winter. So I think the first thought is deep snow and cold temperatures. But if you're getting above the inversion, you're actually probably warmer than in the valleys. It is, yeah, because these yurts sit on tops of mountains. We have six yurts that are uh, about 17 to 20 miles north of Idaho City. Mm-hmm. And it's in those little valleys right near it are, you know, there's 20 or 30 degrees temperature difference. But by putting them up on tops of the mountains and we put them so that they have maximum solar gain. So you're getting lots of sun. And in fact, the, all the windows are designed so the sun comes right in to mm-hmm. the windows when you're sitting on the futons and in the bed. So you can get, be nice and get enjoy the sun. Let's take a quick commercial break. And then I, I want to get into the specifics about all this for people when we come back. Okay, Leo? Okay, no problem. Thanks. No matter how cold it is, your dogs need water. So what do you do if it's freezing outside? Well, you could try teaching your pooches to build a campfire, or you can pick up a Farm Innovators heated pet bowl from D&B Supply. Farm Innovators heated pet bowls only come on when it's below freezing and feature anti-chew cords so Fido can't cut the power. And of course, they keep water from turning into ice on those super cold winter days. Farm Innovators Heated Pet Bowls, available at your favorite D&B Supply. When you're stuck out in the cold or want to cozy up in your off-the-grid cabin, a Honda generator gets you going. Stop by D&B Supply to pick up one of these power players. Quiet, lightweight, and fuel efficient, Honda generators make winter camping, ice fishing, and even power outages more bearable. Take on the elements in a way you can take anywhere. Get all fired up for anything the winter brings and grab a Honda generator at your neighborhood D&B. So, Leo, let's talk about this. When people hear backcountry in the winter, I'm sure it, you know, it makes them wonder about all this. But when you when you make it to your yurt, you're going to be able to stay warm, right? Yeah, it's a it's about a two to three mile distance in. So it's not totally easy. But once you get there, you, you can do it by snowshoe or skis. 
once you get the stove going up, going, you, you can have it 90 degrees in there. It is, you'll, you'll be basically wandering around in your shorts and your t-shirts. It's a, it's, and you, a lot of people just bring a Hawaiian stuff and have a, a luau because it's really deluxe and really hot and it gets, stays nice and warm in there. Now, as far as, as firewood goes, is that something that Idaho State Parks uh, keeps in, in supply there at the yurts? Yes. Uh, we have volunteers that have helped run these yurts, and they cut the firewood and supply the firewood. And we have about five or six cords of wood that situated right underneath the yurt. So all you got to do is just run around downstairs and bring it up and, and start it. And we have plenty of firewood because we had fires near the area in the, in the last two years ago, and we have tons of firewood. Gotcha. So it'll be nice and toasty warm for you. It's a great cozy place to curl up with a book. <laughs> now, in terms of the firewood, is it all is it all stocked at one time, or do people come back in during the winter and restock? No, it's uh, we, we have a huge, uh, we've built the, the yurts on sides of mountains. It's designed so we can just back a vehicle up to them, drop off the wood, split it, and put it inside the yurt, and we got six cords of yurts. So we've got a, a whole year, almost a, a year and a half supply of wood in each yurt. Okay, so you know what it takes to get all the recreationists through the winter, and it's totally stocked. Yeah, totally stocked all six yurts. Uh, they're, re- they're ready to go, and the wood's nice and dry, and uh, you will be nice and cozy in there and warm. Now, what do people need to bring with them when they come to a yurt? Basically, what you need is a sleeping bag. We have padded bunks, padded mattresses, and we have a futon and two bunk beds. So you just need to bring your sleeping bag, uh, bring your food, uh, bring a, a little bit of starter water. Uh, basically, the, we don't have water there, like running water in the winter, because we're on the tops of mountains. So what we do is we have big pots there. And what you do is you take snow when you put them in the big pots and you melt water for drinking and for dishwashing. And we have uh, basically just the food, real basic. I mean, all a full stocked kitchen, everything you would need to cook a gourmet meal is there. We've got everything. I'll bring a pillow if you'd like. We don't have, we don't provide the pillows, but <laughs> and some people will bring like a little sheet to just to lay over the mattress. But uh, it's stocked for six people. And so you don't need to bring cooking supplies or dishes or anything like that. Nope, you do not have to do that. Uh, we, you know, we just have all the the dishwashing supplies. We have the toilet paper. We have paper towels. Uh, we have uh, everything that you would need. We're basically trying to get it so you only have to carry a few pounds up there. But what we find is people will save weight of not having to bring, you know, their their little backpacker stoves and all of that type of thing, and uh, they'll they'll bring more food and and more more drinks. Sure. <laughs> so that that way you can really. Uh, have a, a gourmet meal and, and not go too heavy. Now, you mentioned starter water. What do you mean when you say that? Well, just enough to get you in. I mean, bring about a liter because it's a two-mile hike to three-mile hike in, okay. and you'll need that to just get you to the place. And usually I take a little bit of water and put it in the bottom of the big uh, pots before you put the snow in. Otherwise, it just takes forever for the, to get some water started. So if you have a little bit of starter water, it, it helps get the snow melted faster. Now, you mentioned that they're a couple miles back to, to the yurts, but there's several throughout the state that are managed by Idaho Parks and Rec and, and other places as well. Are there more that are, I guess, further into the woods? Well, the ones that, that I manage myself is the Idaho City backcountry yurts, and there's six of those. Uh-huh. And there's other backcountry systems across the state of Idaho. Most of them are private that are backcountry, and there's one called Sun Valley Trekking Yurts, which are out of Sun Valley up in the Sawtooth area. Uh-huh. There's also up, some up in the Lick Creek area near McCall. 
but we state parks has yurts too but we these are more yurts where you could drive up to them in the winter and the summer and we have some at Cascade State Park. We have one called Osprey Yurt, which is a group yurt, a three-yurt complex that you rent all at one time. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, I would call a glamping yurt or a very fancy yurt <laughs> that's at Castle Rock State Park, which is also City of Rock State Park in southeast uh, Idaho. And that's a brand new yurt. And we do have a few other yurts in our state parks, but they're more like just a, a tent for the summer. But the the one oh there is one over at Harriman State Park that you can rent that you ski in about a mile to, okay. and you get to be out right in the right in the middle of this beautiful uh, meadow. Now, when you talk about a glamping yurt and say that is fancy, I mean, what can you put in a yurt to make it fancy? Well, in this one, they put a big king bed in the middle <laughs> of it, and then they've got beautiful nightstands, and they, they've I think they put some art in it, uh, made it look really nice. It is beautiful, and Castle Rock State Park is one of our showcase state parks with the beautiful rock formations around it. It's just a gorgeous place to be. Yeah, it really is. It's beautiful down there. Okay, uh, let's take another break. You mentioned solar panels and electricity before. Let's talk about that yeah. when we come back. Okay, thank you. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Bayland Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Bayland Country at DNB. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Bayland Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Bayland Country at DNB Supply. For work, play, or a little bit of both this winter, stop by D&B Supply for Wrangler gear. From flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets, fit for the field or a night out, Wrangler has you covered. Established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality, Wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot. With new styles and great fits, it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it. So stop by your favorite D&B and get covered this winter in Wrangler gear. All right, Leo. Well, let's talk about the solar panels and electricity. So, well, just explain to us how this system works and what you can you can operate off the electricity that's available. Well, in the past, we had uh, gas lanterns, propane lanterns, and they were very loud and very uh, you know bright, and you couldn't talk very well in the yurts. And about Ten years ago, I found this little solar panel that was made for uh, charging phones in Africa and with one LED light, and I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So we put one of those in the yurts. We weren't sure if the yurt customers would really want to have uh, you know, electricity in the yurts. Mm-hmm. Well, we put it in, and it just became very popular. We found one with, that had ran four LED lights. It was a 10-amp s- system and just a small solar panel. So we put a solar panel up on our ch- uh, chimney and aimed it the, you know, the right direction, and we put these lights over the kitchen and over the kitchen table so people could play games, and they have been just hugely successful. They, uh, they're very cheap. They're just a plug-in system. They seem to work fine. You can read, and we love them. And all, all of our six yurts now have a little system. Very cool. So people shouldn't be bringing their laptops and expecting to charge it or something like that. This is for, for ambient lighting. Yeah, it's for that type of lighting. We, we don't really want people to bring or charge their cell phones or laptops. They, I've had seen people that do it, but then they run the batteries down for the next group because there is some big snowstorms that 
we have a battery that'll get us by for a while, but it, it, right. they suck the, the energy out of the battery and then they won't have light. So, and we just think people should unplug when they come to these facilities. The idea is to get away from sure. all of those things. And we prefer that they, uh, we just go to the minimal electricity that we need. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to do all that and get into that pristine area, uh, yeah, unplug for a while. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier that there will be the futon and then the two bunk beds. Uh, so what is your, nor- I guess, what's your maximum capacity on these backcountry, your- so the ones that you manage? Uh, the maximum capacity is nine, We ha- uh, but we really is set up for six people. So we have, you know, two people in each bunk bed, and there's two bunk beds. And then we have the futon, and there's two people. Now, sometimes people will bring someone else, but there's really no place to sleep except on the floor. So you'll uh-huh. have to bring your own mattress to sleep on the floor. The maximum on-site is, is 12 people. If any number of people over six, it's an additional $12 per person to stay in the yurt. We're just basically trying to reduce the number of people in the yurt. They were designed specifically for that, for the kitchen and everything, and it feels really crowded when you get more than six people in the yurt. Now, in terms of uh, if people go up for a couple nights, what what do most people do? Do they just want to relax and just kind of hang out, or are people backcountry skiing, snowshoeing? What, what, what are folks doing? Well, I think most people just are up there for a social experience. They like this being in a – you're kind of forced to be in this round facility. You have to look at each other the whole weekend. And it's it's experience of playing games, eating together, doing that things. But other things that they do is there's backcountry skiing. Around this area, most of these yurts, probably four of them, have uh, – unbelievable deep with good snow and we have you know mountains that are sometimes two to three thousand foot runs for backcountry skiing and tele skiing and then there's great snowshoeing around there to explore and in the summer we, we also these things are also open in the summer we also have mountain biking opportunities hiking opportunities and uh, unless some people just like to sit out and, and just relax and get away from it all and that's a great place to do it because it's quiet up there and you're up on top of a mountain and you have a great view of the sky most of them are you know 200 to 300 degrees of view shed awesome and you don't see any lights when you're up there that's the nice thing yeah that would be beautiful at night uh, with clear yeah. skies at least now, how about navigation into them? Is it difficult to find? Are people using like a GPS or a compass or can, is there just a groomed trail you can follow right to it? Well, we have verbal directions, you know, or written directions that we give you. And you, there's kind of a secret. We don't tell all the public where it is, but we give you that. And we also give you, a, you can download a map that's a, that's basically you put on your, your smartphone and you can see where exactly the route in and you can follow it right directly to the, the location. But uh, you do need a little bit of, you know, it's a good idea to have some route finding skills because uh, a lot of people, you know, don't go in till you know, later in the evening and it's dark and uh you know you can get light it's it's it can be dangerous out there it's a big forest yeah it certainly is <laughs> it certainly is all right well along those same lines let's take another break when we come back let's talk about uh, inclement weather going in and and survival and and all that type of stuff if if the conditions change okay that sounds great say you were to ride off into the sunset ideally what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing for horseback riders of all styles nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. available at dmb supply everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian olympians turn to Ariat with confidence you can count on them too think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the west when you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB supply. If you've got a beef with your current livestock equipment, 
Powder River handling products can change the game. Stop by DNB Supply to bring your herd upright. For over 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field. With continuous equipment innovation, their gear helps you work up close with your livestock safely and with minimal stress. Get a better handle on things around the ranch and stop by DNB Supply for Powder River livestock equipment. Well, Leo, we were talking about you know the hike in and and uh, being able to navigate and find the yurt and make sure you don't get lost what does idaho parks recommend for folks if they're going in and there's inclement weather coming in there's a chance that it you know might be heavy snow maybe it's going to be foggy and cloudy on top or something like that what recommendations do you make for folks well first of all i think that's what makes it fun it's part of the the environment you know if you a snowstorm a little bit of snow and all that makes it a fun thing but we also recommend um we need to, the hardest part is probably driving there. You know, going from Boise and heading up through Idaho City and going over mountain passes. You just need to be prepared in your vehicle to have the right things. And one of them is a shovel and good tires. We always recommend high uh, four-wheel drive, high clearance because the parking lots are not always roomed the minute the snow hits them. So it's always a good idea to bring a, a shovel. Sometimes you may have to dig your way in a little bit, or you may have to dig your way out when the snow plow plows you in. When you head to the yurt, uh, you should be prepared with like some water with you. Basically, head dress in layers. Have your map. Have your have a smartphone with you if you're if you want to use that. Find your way in, and then have a backup map. Now, have you ever had an incident or an instance where folks are going in and it's it's inclement weather, or they're trying to come out? And we're like in whiteout type conditions, and, and does that ever caused a problem? Is there ever any search and rescue or anything that's gone on up there? Yeah, we've had some instances, but it's been usually operator error. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, we, we, we've had some, uh, basically some big storms that come in, but basically if you get a big storm, the best thing is to do is just sit there and wait. We've had four-foot dumps, and it is hard to move in snowshoes or skis, even going downhill on that one. You just sit and wait. We, uh, someone will be coming in to get you eventually. You just make sure you tell someone that you're – if you don't show up at home. And uh, we do have snowmobiles. Uh, we have the snowplow operators. We know that you're there. We, we don't baby you or anything, but <laughs> right. we're definitely going to be uh, coming in for you if, if you have any problems. And to me, this is when these yurts show themselves. As long as you stay there, uh, and also there's extra food in there. What happened is we have a box inside the yurt, and as you, if you're leaving in this packaged food that hasn't been opened, we just put it in this box. Okay. And the idea is, is if someone does get stranded there for a few days, there is a food for you. Oh, that's great. So it's it's not just we're renting this yurt, but it's almost like a community-type thing where we're leaving it better for the next people as well. That's exactly what it's like, and that's the only way we can operate because we can't get staff in there between you know every day. So every three weeks what we do is we send up staff or, or trained volunteers that basically take supplies out from the down underneath the yurt, like toilet paper and uh, cleaning supplies, and bring it up and then do a super clean of the yurt. And then the next three weeks, the customers have to take care of it. And they've been doing a great job. The customers have been doing a great job so far taking care of it. We really do. I mean, it's, it's a part of a – we wouldn't have this if it wasn't people taking care of this. Now, you've mentioned toilet paper a couple times, so I've got to ask the question – where are people taking care of bodily functions? Well, we do have a, a we have not vault toilets, but we do have pit toilets, and they were dug by volunteers, and uh, we they've been working great for the last twenty years. But we <laughs> that's what we have, and it's about maybe each yurt it's probably maybe thirty yards away. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, part of the 
duties of the people that come to dig the little trench to the toilet. And there is no doors on the toilet. They have great views of the mountains. <laughs> so it's been, it's been very, uh, people love, actually love the toilet. <laughs> That's great. And then when it comes to cleaning up when people leave and especially cleaning the dishes they've used, uh, heating water on the stove and, and doing dishes that way? Yep, they do dishes. We, you know, we, we have three little bins of, you know, things where you do the, the soapy wash, then you do a rinse, and then a, a Clorox dip at the end. And we haven't had any problems of keep people keeping it clean. Now, well, a lot of times when you look at different hike guides for Idaho or for anywhere, they always talk about the intensity level of the hike. You know, it could be it could be high or expert or something like that, or it could be beginner or intermediate, whatever it may be. When it comes to snowshoeing or cross-country skiing into the backcountry yurts that you manage up around Idaho City, what is the fitness level that you recommend for folks if they want to try this out? I would say at least moderate, but I've seen people that are totally out of shape. I've seen, you know, babies being carried up there. The key is how much risk you want to take, because if you're planning far ahead on a yurt, you don't know when the next snowstorm is coming. So it really, if we have it groomed, some of these yurts we groom fairly close to with a big machine uh-huh. uh, and so have a packed track but if you get a two-foot dump the night before you reserve the night you're having the yurt right. you're going to have to work really hard but the nice thing about snowshoeing is that if you have a group of people of six the people the two first two people do all the work and the people in the back <laughs> basically have a sidewalk to the top right. but I, I, I'm not going to say it is you, it is an aerobic activity it's not like just walking down the street it, right. it, it can be worked otherwise it, it could be in the spring when we grew this track, it can be like a highway, a, a, a solid rock, you know, a trail bed on the road. So, and it's just, you don't, you don't even have to wear snowshoes. You could just walk up, but sure. generally you need snowshoes and skis to get to it for uh. most times during the season. All right. Well, let's take our final break. And then when we come back, let's talk about some of the logistics of people, if they want to go, how they do it, what it costs and all of that. Okay. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia Boots, available to try on for size at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earned the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots and pick up a pair of Georgia Boots at your favorite D&B Supply. After a long day on your feet, nothing feels better than slipping into some Twisted X moccasins. So pick up a pair at D&B Supply. These aren't your ordinary shoes. With roots and western boots, Twisted X creates handcrafted, comfortable moccasins that stand out from the pack. They capture the spirit of the American West from the design down to the soles. Find your new favorite comfort shoes with a pair of Twisted X moccasins available at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Leo, this sounds like a ton of fun, and there's a lot of logistics, I'm sure, that go into it. Uh, let's start off with reservations. So when should people be making reservations, and how do they do it? Well, if, you, if you're looking for a prime time like New Year's or the President's Weekend or you know, in the winter, the popular times, you need to actually go nine months in advance because the people are waiting you know, at, on the phone, just ready to call in or online, calling in. And if you want to go, uh, you know, call in, it's the phone number is 1-888-922-6743. 
or if you want to just reserve, uh, get online, you just go to the Idaho Department of Parks and Recreation website, which is Parks and Recreation Idaho. Mm-hmm. And if you go there and you just go on to Backcountry Yurts and you can go through and it basically takes you to Reserve America and you just look for Idaho City Yurts and you can see all the dates that are available for you and you can just get signed up. Now, if somebody listening to this is getting very enthusiastic, but then they just went, oh my goodness, I won't be able to get reservations. During the winter, do you generally have openings during the middle of the week if somebody wants to take a couple days off or is, is seven days a week booked? Where the weekends are basically booked all winter, they go really quick. But uh, the weekdays, we do have some. We also have cancellations that you can check on. So uh, I think there's, if you're pretty open schedule, you should be able to get in at least for one or two nights. And what is the cost to rent it for a night? The cost is $115 per night, and that's regardless if it's uh, a weekend or a weekday. Okay, and it has nothing to do with the amount of people that are going up to it. That's just the cost per night for the yurt. Uh, that's for up to six people. Up if to six. you go over six people, then it's $12 per person that's per right. night additional. Okay, and then there's a pass required to park. Yeah, the, basically these yurts are located off of Highway 21, and there's some plowed parking lots. The transportation department plows the parking lots for us, and we get charged for it, so we're we need to charge a fee called a park and ski fee for it to park there. If you want to park for one to three days, it's $7.50 per vehicle. And if you want an annual pass so you can just park and go there anytime, it's $25. Okay. And is that pass something that uh, you purchase just when you make your reservations and then the department what mails it out to you or something like that? No, you just go to the Idaho to the Department of Parks and Recreation website and you can purchase it online and then you just lay it on your dash of your vehicle okay. or if you want to go to a place like REI or other uh, sporting goods companies in the, in the Boise area or other towns they sell the pass to. Okay and then off the air you and I were talking about another growing in popularity form of transportation to be in the backcountry and that is those fat bikes. Can you use those to go into the yeah. yurts? Yeah it's a, in fact we encourage it. It's a it's a really fun way to do it. Uh, there isn't a lot of use these trails. Are, we have 60 miles of trails up there and they don't get a lot of use and they're groomed and uh, you know if it's you know fat bikes are great on a groomed trail. Now if there's a big you know two-foot dump the fat bikes won't work but <laughs> right. if you're up there and it's a it's a great recreation to go up there and there's a lot of other things going on up there too it's not that you could bring your if you're in an area we have a part of the, the system is allows dogs and some of it doesn't we have four yurts that allow dogs and two that are not but if you go in the area where the dogs are allowed to the yurts and the trails mm-hmm. you could bring your dog along and it's they have you know it's all like ski drawing basically you hook yourself up to the dog with a strap and you can pull this they can pull you up the hill <laughs> and it's you see a lot of people doing that so they're having a lot of fun up there that and the other thing fun. is a lot of people do is just go up and bring their kids up there and there's such deep snow we get up to 10 to 20 feet of snow a year great place to take your kids sledding awesome now how about elevation elevation gain as you're as you're hiking into the yard i didn't even think to ask you about that well that's important because that's that makes it a lot of work the biggest climb of for any year is 800 feet and the one with the least amount of elevation is 350 feet. Okay. So, you know, it's, it adds a little bit, but uh, if you just put your head, mind to it, you know, go, it's only two to three miles in, so it's not really that hard if you just, you know, set a pace. Yeah. You can spend a couple hours just working, and don't bring so much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, how, when, I guess, when does grooming begin, and when does it end? Is there a season of the trail maintenance and the grooming? 
But we, this year we've already started grooming, but generally we start December 1st. That's when we usually have enough snow, two feet of snow to start grooming. Okay. And we groom till usually mid-March. That's when it gets too, starts to get really sloppy up there. But the snow sticks around until late April or May. And it's actually a really fun time to go up there because everybody else is, you know, going out in the desert and playing and, and you go up there, you'll, you'll have the whole place to yourself. And so you mentioned that. And then what about summer? Is it a popular thing to do during the summer as well? Or do you see a big drop off? Um, well, we, it, it's been a, in the past, it was, we were full every weekend in the summer. Uh, but since we had a fire up there in the last two years, we are just restarting the summer because we've been in the summer, we've been rebuilding the yurts, been reworking the trails because some of the trails were burned and some of the yurts were singed. So we ha- well, actually, we, we built a whole new yurt that had burned too. We had just finished that. But uh, it hasn't been, we just don't know what the popularity is going to be. There's some burn there, but uh, once we get the trails open, we'll see if people come back. We're hoping they will. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun, and uh, I will admit, I've never done it, so I need to, I need to make reservations. I need to get up there and do it. Well, that's a great experience. You should try it sometime. You'll, you'll love it. You'll be hooked on it. There's families that have been doing it every year because it's just become part of their family tradition to go up and stay on these things in the winter. So nine months before New Year's Eve, there's got to be hundreds yeah. of people yeah. online like trying to get concert tickets. I don't know about hundreds, but uh, <laughs> there'll be some, you'll have competition. <laughs> awesome. Well, Leo, this has been great. I, I really enjoy you taking the time to share this with us and share this with everybody out there listening. Hopefully, we'll get uh, a lot of people enjoying the backcountry during the winter. And hey, happy new year and congratulations on your retirement. That's great. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I uh, hope to see you there. Thanks. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.